second hour of the Tobler Show on a brisk October morning. Boy, autumn is here. The colors are changing. The leaves are changing, and I'm uh, and the Mizzou is playing when eleven thirty today. I think it's it's eleven a.m. They yeah, they've been playing out of their minds, man. It's fun to watch that team. I think. I think getting an offensive coordinator has made a huge difference. You? What do you um, think, Quinn? I, I haven't taken notice, so I'm a huge Alabama fan. Uh, I've, oh. I was down. Well, I was just down there for a year, and that kind of changed me. Yeah. Just being yeah. down there around a winning culture, um, Mizzou. Okay. A, until until the playoffs come, um, I don't pay attention to any SEC team, any other team. There's no point um, unless they make some noise. I and, I, and I and I understand Missouri, and you know I might take some take some slack for it, but I, I haven't I haven't watched them one bit. I see I see that what they're doing. I see they're looking good, but I don't know. You know, I, yeah. until you play Alabama, until you play a team of that caliber, are you really, are you really that good? Well, no, yeah. Hey, I can tell Quentin's a truth teller. You're right. I mean, look, they what are they? What are they five and zero? Oh, and mm-hmm. you know, okay, they haven't really played a big big name team. Now LSU, I think they're ranked roughly equally in the in the rankings within a couple uh, uh, stages. But you're right. Until you until you compete, even if you don't win, but until you compete successfully. With Bama or Georgia or Ohio you know I mean name the yeah or Ohio State right right I mean yeah. so because then we'll, we'll have get to a, see where it ends up real quick we'll just get an example like TCU last year in the national championship where they did get completely blown out you know you put Bama in that right. position it's a much better game much better playoffs but I digress yeah no you're 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 right no you're right and you know I am sort of I have to admit it I'm sort of a fair weather fan I. Uh, I uh, you know don't uh, don't lose too much sleep over what's going on in the sports world. I do I do enjoy though um, seeing what happened to that young man Brady Cook when I don't know it was if whether it was a, a head fake on the part of the coach uh, you know just a coaching maneuver or whether he was real but you know he he played Sam Horn and played you know he basically challenged Cook said hey you're you know you don't you're not entitled to this job it's a good life lesson for a young man to learn right in that you're not entitled to anything you need to earn it and and he and he's so far has answered the bell and I just from a human interest story I'm I'm glad to see that and I think it's wise for Drinkwitz to realize that man you may want to do everything and be everything to everyone but when you're the head coach probably need to be the head coach and hire yourself a coordinator and that can undistracted call some plays so it's good to see we'll see how they do today i wonder if there was a curfew last night i'm <laughs> well, they I, mean, always you know, have curfew. I don't know <laughs> they will huh? always have curfew especially on game nights yeah if they're on well, the let road me, let me I'll put it another that. way did they observe the curfew last night <laughs> that's maybe more accurately stated <laughs> i would hope so you want right. athletes yeah, that's right. We'll have to see. Hey, breaking uh, this morning, guys uh, and gals, this is interesting. Um, in some amazing surprise and just, I mean, the the, vid, the, the pictures on this, I'm going to post this up on the website, uh, attack in southern Israel, Hamas from the Gaza Strip has used uh, motorized paragliders. Picture a an elongated um, sail on which is suspended a guy or two people in one picture with, it looks like AK-47 rifles. I mean, these are real assault rifles, not what the Democrats call assault rifles. Um, with a, with like a fan behind it, sort of like what you see in the, uh, in the Everglades, you know, going across the Everglades 
propelling this uh, paraglider with wheels on the bottom, and they're just, they attacked the city. They launched rocket attacks. 22 have been confirmed dead at last report. This is the latest report I have. And Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has declared war on the Palestinian militants and so um, on Hamas. So things heating up uh, there in Israel, and you never know what it's going to take. I mean, you know, with this axis of evil that has uh, that has been coalescing um, with, uh, you know, Brazil, uh, uh, Iran, China, Russia, the BRICS, you know, and what happens is Iran, who who is Iran's the is the sponsor and funds most of the Middle East terrorism that's going on. And at what point do they then somehow get involved and this thing explodes into, you know, World War Three? God, God help us. I mean, let's pray that doesn't happen. Um, and I wonder, on the other hand, if President Biden is watching the way the Israelis behave when an affront is made towards them, in this case, a direct attack. They don't take hostages. I mean, they're they are presently, as we speak, they are counterattacking in Gaza. They're not asking questions. They're not, they're not saying like President Biden did in Ukraine. Not that, not that Ukraine is the American homeland, but he had no business venturing into Ukraine's business and saying, well, I mean, if you're going to have a posture that we're going to defend Western evolving democracies, which is the best that can be said of Ukraine, you don't as Putin is amassing troops. You don't say, well, yeah, small incursion. Hey, what's that? Just a little little dust up. It's just a flesh wound, just a flesh wound. You know, no. You say you step one foot into this and NATO and the West is going to annihilate you. You think you think you've seen one cluster bomb? Putin, you're going to see cluster bombs rain on you like you don't know what cluster bombs are. Instead, they slow walk the defense of Ukraine. If you're going to defend Ukraine or help defend it, you do it like Israel does. You don't mess around. And I think they should take a lesson. If you're listening, I don't think Biden listens. He's probably putting mercurochrome and triple antibiotic ointment on the wounds of the Secret Service agents who were wounded by his malicious dog, Commander. In case you're just joining us, I've figured out why Commander is the way he is. Talked about a a study of, of several studies reported in the Daily Mail earlier this year. Dogs are like their owners. Commander appears to be vindictive, untrainable, neurotic. Does that remind you of anyone in the White House? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, have announced a large-scale operation called Swords of Iron to defend its citizens. They've mobilized military reservists to fight back against what was a dawn raid in Israel. They've treated hundreds of victims, as I said, and some are in critical condition. I'm sure the death toll is going to go up. Hamas launched more than 5,000 rockets early this morning into Israeli territory. Wow. This is something else. Man, there is just evil in the world. I'm telling you, the human the human mind and human heart is just is just capable of unimaginable evil um, we see it in these United States we see the trafficking of of young girls uh, as they come up through Central America they're trafficked they're raped repeatedly um, thank you Joe I put this on you buddy yeah the proximate the proximate evil culprit animal culprit is the coyote 
the cartel. But but you're inviting this. You set the you you prepared the seedbed, buddy. And what a huge, embarrassing, outrageous president you have been. I'm embarrassed to call you my president the way you've behaved. You look at what's happening to Americans and their their personal finances. The vast majority of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. They can't fill up their car. People not being able to go on vacation. And vacation is an important thing in a healthy life. It's just, uh, it's outrageous. And they continue to double down on the carnage, the carnage that their policies have wrought on America. And it's, uh, well, look, the voters will have their voice. We don't need a violent revolution. We need one at the ballot box. We need to, by the way, the GOP, if that's the party that uh, I guess will be the, the likely heir apparent to uh, try to right this ship, although I'm questioning whether they can do it anymore. So many of them have been lulled into constitutional sleepiness. They don't understand what small government means, what limited government means, why any government, why saying you can build, manage big government just better than the Democrats, why so many Republicans think that's a good thing. I don't understand. I don't. And it's going to take we the people. It's going to take another Tea Party moment. That's what it's going to take. And maybe 24 turns into that. Tea Party 2. Maybe that's what we do. 314-912-1019 if you want to join in on the show. Do we have a caller? We have a caller, Quinn? Yes, we do. Mr. David Orchard. Who's on? All right. Hey, welcome, caller. Thanks for joining the show. Go ahead. Uh, Dr. Tober? Yeah, oh, how you doing, Mr. Archibald? Good to talk with you. Uh, good morning. Uh, sir, I hope I'm making a colossal fool out of myself in this call this morning. <clears throat> but the stock market, I fear, is uh, in for a bad day this Monday. And we'll Why? see if... So the, the yield on the 10-year treasury has drained losses in the banking system, and the banking system is going to freeze up. And uh, yeah, so, I don't so know you're if talking, it's all going David, to occur David. Monday. I hope I'm wrong, but... yeah. So, so David, this is a variation on the theme that we saw, uh, you know, play out earlier this year when we had the the closure of a few banks because they had invested in, um, you know, low interest bonds, but they had to pay out money because people wanted to. They didn't have the reserves there because of poor portfolio management, right? I mean, that relates to that, I think. Um, and but the bond market is tanking. The bond market is absolutely tanking. And um, I don't know where it's all going to end up. Uh, it, it's it's crazy. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. And it's because the anomaly, no. the way the Democrats, the way the Democrats and the Republicans, the Republicans were complicit with this during the Trump administration by by giving people money, dropping people, uh, uh, dropping money in people's bank accounts like there was no tomorrow. And people are still spending it like there's no tomorrow. Or maybe they believe there's no tomorrow. And so it's just like the Titanic's going down. Let's listen to the quartet playing on the on the deck, you know, the ship. I don't know. But you can't give people free money profitably, just uh, irresponsibly, and, and not expect this kind of a 
of a disruption in, in, in economic sanity. And that's what we're seeing right now. Hey, thank you for the call. Really appreciate it. Uh, later on, uh, well, in fact, in just a little bit, we're going to be talking to uh, Nicole Solis. I talked with her yesterday. I was able to talk with her on my uh, mid-Missouri show. And Nicole has been a warrior for you, for you folks who are parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles. If you have any influence, therefore concern over our children in public schools these days, you will want to listen to the upcoming interview. Why is that? Because what is being sold to our children and to the citizens paying the taxes to support our public schools um, as education is evolving into endorsement and um, encouragement for for anomalous and, and frankly outrageous, unbelievable behaviors. I'm talking gender fluidity. I'm talking in this case, and we'll be talking with Nicole Solis. You'll hear this interview. Um, I'm talking CRT. I'm talking about ESG. I'm talking about DEI. Things that kids didn't have to worry about because kids aren't born with the same cultural problems that we instill in them. They're born to be lovers and huggers, and that's what they do. But instead, now they're being taught to, you know, have dysfunctional sexual attitudes and more. It's it's a ban the book week culminating today by the American Librarians Association. Nicole Solis talks about just how dysfunctional that pushback is. More coming up on the Tober Show in just a few. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. supposed to select age-appropriate materials for children. So how is pornography getting into school libraries? Recently, the American Library Association reframed sexually explicit material as diversity. Here they are on video. That needs to happen most, and it needs to happen before these bills are introduced, is sustained messaging uh, that reframes this issue um, that uh, that takes it away from the idea that these are inappropriate for minors or sexually inappropriate for minors and promote them as diverse materials and programming that are about inclusion, fairness, and the protection of everybody's right to see themselves and their families reflected in the books in the public library. Look, if you want to buy your kids those books, go for it because Banned Books Week is a hoax. These books are available everywhere. Parents just don't want these books as tax-funded materials in school because Every child deserves the dignity to be in a safe, porn-free school. That's my next guest, Nicole Solis, senior fellow at the Independent Women Forum's Education Freedom Center, an activist to defend uh, the kind of builds that you see uh, from uh, being placed back in schools where you've worked so hard to get them out. 
Uh, Nicole, I'm telling you, that was a riveting Twitter, and we played the whole thing because on your Twitter, well, I can't get into X, but that's a, a, a post that you had at uh, Nicoletta0602. Thanks for doing that and alerting kids to the pushback uh, from the, the librarians. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think it's really important that the, the truth keeps getting pushed out about well, this is really a campaign that misleads the public into believing that adults want to censor ideas, and that's not the case at all. Really, we have parents that want to protect children from pornography and explicit, um, sexually explicit material, and that's a totally different thing than a book ban. There are no book bans happening. It's really just parents trying to protect their children, specifically from getting access to pornography in school libraries. And, you know, I've been struggling ever since I saw your post on X, whether to post it on the show page for our show here on the Facebook page, because the the images and these are directly from the books that the librarians, at least some group of librarians, want to keep in the schools. I mean, these are so sexually explicit. I showed this to my wife and she was aghast. And I mean, you know, we, you know, we're no spring chickens. And I mean, we were, it was just uncomfortable to look at these. I, I don't think I'm going to post it on my Facebook page, but people can go to at Nicoletta0602 and take a look at it. But I mean, how in the world can they, and, and they're using an interesting ploy, aren't they, Nicole, to say that parents that don't want this in the, in the schools, uh, you know, then they sort of passively, aggressively want to pull to kill a mockingbird off the shelves too, right? I mean, the librarians, so the interesting ploy that they're pulling. Right. Uh, you know, they'll just pivot from, you know, parents are, are bigots against gay people to, oh, parents are also racist. But, you know, they're very hypocritical and not transparent because you mentioned To Kill a Mockingbird. There are actually leftist students who want to pull To Kill a Mockingbird because they're offended at the racialized language, which is, you know, accurate for the historical context of the book. You know, you'll find the stories where kids say, oh, well, these words offend me they hurt my feelings i feel unsafe so look at how we are teaching children to respond to literature that is actually really important when we talk about our racial history in america now we have kids that are learning to kind of want to try to ban books themselves you know they don't want to read books that are really good for them in school and the american library association is now pushing books that really aren't good for for kids in school you said that, you know, even adults are kind of shocked by this. Oh, man. Even a child who, you know, <laughs> adults are desensitized, but kids with no sexual experience and they see these images, it's really traumatizing. Well, I mean, I just can't imagine. I, I, I don't think that these books were in the shelves on my kids' uh, library or when I was in school before them. I, maybe they were. I don't know. But uh, I, I don't think so because a lot of these are new. They've come along with the whole gender fluidity movement. Isn't it interesting that they're they're pulling out as big a guns as they can do, though, these librarians in this so-called banned books week? Uh, LeVar, uh, LeVar Burton uh, of Star Trek, uh, the next generation fame. He's the honorary chair. <laughs> so he's he's doing lace, uh, Facebook events for them and everything. Man, they're fighting back, huh? Yeah, well, it's a really big media blitz, and this is meant to be a fundraising campaign for the American Library Association. And, of course, anyone with a little bit of fame or a public platform is ready to hop on that for their own personal uh, you know, motivations. And they may not understand themselves what's really going on here. 
the American Library Association um, is asking Congress for almost two hundred and eighty dollars. Uh, sorry, two hundred and eighty million dollars mm. in federal funding, and yet they're misleading the public about censorship that that isn't happening. This is um, amazing. The other. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other really important key here is that school libraries are different from public libraries. The First Amendment allows schools to remove books that are sexually inappropriate. And that comes from the case uh, Board of Education versus PICO, which says that a school absolutely can remove what they characterize as pervasively vulgar materials or materials that are not suitable for education. So I think one of the reasons why the ALA reframed um, sexually explicit content to kids in school is that um, they have to get around this problem that they have, which is that schools absolutely can remove this material and it's not a ban and it is, it's not a violation of the First Amendment to protect children from sexually explicit material. Wow. Talking with Nicole Sola, she's a senior fellow at the Education Freedom Center uh, at Independent Women Forum. If you go to uh, IWF.org and click on the Education Freedom Center there, for any of you that are really for school choice, trying to exercise your right as a tax-paying citizen, and oh yeah, by the way, in many cases a parent, um, boy, this is where all of the resources are, and you can stay up with the activism that is being led by Nicole and others there at the IWF. Uh, Education Freedom Center. Now, wouldn't this be a fun experiment to do, Nicole, for parents to just meander into their child's uh, their child's school's library and ask if they have any books by Oh Dennis Prager, uh, Mark Levin? Do uh, you think? You think those books would be found in those shelves as frequently as some of these other books? And maybe if they were, maybe there's a difference in um, the, the navigation to said books in certain jurisdictions. I don't want to speak for all school districts and all librarians, but um, wouldn't that be an interesting experiment to do? Yeah, I think that would be very interesting. My my, my school district spent $20,000 to get a whole new batch of woke or progressive books oh. into the, the oh. school district. So I don't think they're going to be spending $20,000 to get PragerU materials in. Yeah, I think yeah. they're certainly virtue signaling what their values are. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean that maybe it's that kind of a concrete um, activism that parents need to do. It's like, if you especially, is there a way to capture? I know you've been active. I think is it Rhode Island, I think. Isn't that your, the school district that you're active in? Is that right? Yes, I'm yeah. in um, South Kingstown School yeah. District. Yeah, because you've you've made a lot of uh, a lot of great waves there in that uh, in that district. But uh, how did you find out that they had made this <laughs> this big twenty thousand dollar tranche of books? How did they? How did you find that out? Was that? I mean, did they did they freely uh, you know announce that and you know and broadcast it because they were proud of it, or did you have to dig it up? I had to dig it up. I was reading the meeting minutes of my school board meetings and I saw that they had um, a, uh, like a, a discussion about purchasing these books for $20,000. So it caught my eye and then I looked into it. And um, sure enough, it's all books that are uh, very racialized. They're, they're propaganda, really. When you, when you read some of this literature, it's um, with characters that don't have any moral ambiguity. There's not a lot of character development it's a very ham-fisted message of good versus evil and it usually has a message that is supporting one political orthodoxy so it's not the literature that we were reading um as as kids in english class it's absolutely government propaganda i mean i think the, the classics well heck 
the Bible for crying out loud. You read Song of Solomon, there's very sensuous stuff in there. There's a difference between uh, staying in the lanes of normal human sensuality and exposing kids at the proper developmental level in the context of rich and nuanced classical literature to this well, right. right. And I mean, it's just raw. It's These are just nothing but raw pornographic images in these books. Wow. Right. I think we have to be really clear to an audience that's, that's listening on the radio that the, these are childlike cartoon-styled um, depictions of sex acts. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what's really concerning is that because it's this cartoon comic book style, it appeals yeah. to children. Yeah. And, wow. you know, the other side will say that this is just, you know, a young adult art form, but it, it has an effect on children that yeah. we're really, you know... Not going to see. Yeah, well, yeah, we should make it clear. These are these are not pictures out of Pornhub uh, being shown. These are these are you know drawings, but they're very very graphic, and there is no doubt what's going on. There's no doubt the agenda that's being pushed. There's no doubt the narrative that's being endorsed. And holy cow, I hope people listening to our voices here throughout Mid Missouri will take a listen to this and say, "Holy cow, I got to get in there, do a little digging, ask." Where the funds for the library are being spent? Look at look at the titles. It's not that hard to go on. And if something looks a little odd, go out. It's easy to research what's in a book without buying it, right? These days, it's going to take that kind of yes. detective work. In in fact, there's a great website called BookLooks dot org. Mm. It's um, a website that shows you the pictures in the books and the excerpts that are sexually explicit in the books. It's made by a mom who was concerned about what's going on in her library. And then you can cross-reference the books that you see on that website with another website called gofolet.com. It's G-O-F as in Frank, O-L-L-E-T-T.com. And you can search your school library catalog. Mm. Um, so short of, you know, going into the school district, you can do this all online and see what's going on in your own school uh, district. That is that is great practical advice because we are in a battle. We're in a cultural battle that I think I think is an existential threat to uh, to the future of this country. I mean, if, I mean, we already have enough distractions. We already have enough things that are that are that are counter traditional nuclear family, which we know for ages has been the best way to protect our children from uh, crime and failure in life. And, you know, it's just on and on and on. And uh, this is just another we got to got to keep fighting the fighting the good fight. And I'm glad you're doing that, Nicole Solis. Thank you so much for being with me again. Your website, your uh, Twitter feed is Nicoletta 0602, right? At Nicoletta 0602. Hey, thanks a lot, Nicole. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it. Thank you. You too. All right, there she is, Nicole Solis, and you can check her out on IWF.org at the uh, Education Freedom Center. For any of you that are fighting for freedom uh, from the indoctrination, uh, the progressive, just absolute uh, insistence and agenda to teach our children everything but what they really, really, really need for success in life, which is a little read and write and arithmetic, and yes, an awful lot of discipline and um Learning how to uh, how to be critical thinkers. We don't have a whole lot of that around. It seems like uh, very much anymore. Hey, we haven't talked much about um, the payroll uh, report from yesterday. It was interesting. It was uh, it was compelling in that uh, wow, three hundred thirty six jobs, which Joe said he created, of course, in September. I don't think Joe's ever written a 
check in his life. Others are writing checks to him through 21 different you know, LLCs. Oh, that's another story, isn't it? Um, this really was uh, way above expectations, which was somewhere, somewhere in the 160, 170 range. Um, uh, Joe Santelli, I mean, Rick Santelli, uh, I'm talking about Joe Biden. Rick Santelli uh, uh, talked about that. I think we've got a clip there, don't we? Yep, I uh, have it ready for you. Let's play that because uh, he was astounded on CNBC. Here it is. Yes, jobs numbers for the month of September, non-farm payroll, a whopping 336,000, much stronger than what was expected in the 165 to 170,000 camp. And if you look at the unemployment rate, it remained at 3.8%. It remained at 3.8%. And if we look at average hourly earnings, they also remained it up two-tenths of one percent. Now, real quickly, up 3.8 percent happens to be the highest since Jan of 22. So we remain at that level, even though it's two months running. And on the wages, month over month, average hourly earnings up two-tenths. That is the smallest since February of 22. And it remains the smallest since February 22 with back-to-back months. Let's take a year-over-year perspective. Average hourly earnings are 4.2%, 4.2%. That is the lowest level going all the way back to June of 21, 4.2%. Okay, well, there and you average, go. I mean, it's a, it's a tremendous uh, report on the face of it. However, if you unpack and compare to the inflation rate year over year on top of the enormously inflated inflation rate the previous year over year, You'll understand that while the wages have gone up, they are not keeping up with inflation. In real buying power, you, me, we've all lost buying power. And how in the world this administration can try to claim that there's some kind of great victory here, I don't understand. And uh, like our caller, David Archibald, said, you know, I, I sense that when this happens, this is not going to be when what I think may be not just a recession, but a deep recession. I think it'll come upon us like a thief in the night. It will be quick. Uh, it won't be predictable. I mean, I, I'm predicting that there's going to be some carnage ahead economically. This insistence on this government to keep just hammering on fossil fuels the recently announced uh, oil and gas leases in the Gulf were the the fewest that they've offered in decades, in decades, at a time when the Middle East is cleaning our clock, when they're keeping their oil supplies low, oil production low, because they know what how economics works, supply and demand. And I just, I think the combination of increasing demand by labor to keep up with wages, to try to keep up with inflation, is of course going to drive more inflation. And we're in this vicious cycle. When will we get into a virtuous cycle? Maybe Virginia Cruda will have some thoughts on that when she joins me in a minute. And later on, I'll be asking Joe Bracado, who's a uh, a relationship as it relates to business and, and yeah, personal relationship, but an expert in that realm if relationships can be managed better up in the Capitol. And at 8 o'clock, we're talking with our very own Tim Jones. Can't wait to check in with Tim and see his prognostication, what he thinks about our economic future with the fragility that we're having right now. You're listening to The Randy Tobler Show on Newstalk STL. That's 1019-941. You can catch it on the app, online, Alexa, 
Um, I don't do Alexa. You know why? I think Merrick Garland might be listening. I'm just saying. I'm not sure. Just saying. Quentin Carngay over there making sure that all the uh, buttons are pushed and the sliders are slid and we stay on the air. You can catch us on Rumble, YouTube, uh, Twitter, uh, what else? Facebook, of course. Be back in a minute. Stay there. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. This is Larry Connors reminding you to listen to my program Monday through Friday at 6 p.m., the Larry Connors USA Daily Report. But now, back to the outstanding Dr. Randy Tilton. I'm still paying Larry for that nice comment. I don't know. I just, uh, every week, those... Those wires from my bank account go into Larry. It's so nice of him to say that. Well, I better start I'm getting a cut of, of that. That's very, very kind of him. Very, very kind of him. It's so, it's such a pleasure to have Larry and all the great people we have on this uh, on this station work with them. I mean, it's really a great, great family of talent. And um, now we have another of our great family of uh, talent, and that's Virginia Cruda. Uh, she's talented uh, in so many platforms on Twitter. I, I don't know. She's got more followers than. Gavin Newsom. I mean, that's saying a lot. That's a lot of followers. And uh, and uh, on Daily Wire. How you doing, Virginia? I missed you last week. I'm glad you're with me this week, though. How'd the soccer game go? Was it soccer game? Oh, no. How'd it it's go? Just, uh, swim meet. Oh, swim meet. Man, the water's yeah. cold this time of year. Holy cow. Well, not How'd inside. Oh, I was going to say. Whew. No, it's, it's indoor anyway. And last week it was like 90 degrees. I mean, I yeah, realized well, you don't right. really I was, think about that it was 90 degrees last week because it was 42 this morning. But, you know, <laughs> it was. I, I was swimming was outside. Yeah, degrees. during the 90 degree weather, I was swimming outside. I love swimming. It's great. Hey, so did yeah. now was this yeah, was this Me a too. daughter or son that was competing? Um, this is my daughter. She's 10. Um, she's she's on um, the swim team at the Y. So it's all winter. Huh. Um it, th- yeah. This season just started. That was her first meet last week. She's got another one tomorrow. And uh, th- that season finishes up in April. And then she's got a month off and her summer season starts. Wow. She's serious about this. Now, do they allow, I mean, did, are they are they doing the woke, uh, you know, transgender, uh, you know, guys who want to be girls swimming with the uh, girls? Or we is that we haven't happening? seen any of that. Um we we really haven't seen any of that. Usually, like I, I think we talked about this before. You don't see that as much at this level because kids who are swimming at ten, eleven, twelve, they're not as serious about it as like they're not fighting for scholarships. They're not fighting for prize money. They're fighting for you know ribbons at the end of the meet, and it's not as it's not as competitive and it's not as um, the the stakes aren't as high. So when you are a collegiate swimmer and you're ranked 400th in the men's and you realize that if you were female, you could be first, there's a whole lot. The calculus is different than when you're 12. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, that's true. No, I get it. It's more it's more for good fun competition and 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 yeah. sports. Yeah, so you don't you okay. don't see that a lot now. But but yeah. if uh, 
trust me, if they, if there was even a hint of it, I would be in the locker room with my daughter every time she went in. <laughs> yeah, they, that would not be a pretty sign. I, I, I wouldn't want to be that uh, that guy uh, become female or try to become female person in your daughter's locker room. That would not end up well for that individual. All right. I no. saw that you wrote on the Daily Wire about Sonny Hostin. And I had yeah. commented last week after Sonny Hostin on The View just lit into Jim Jordan, calling him a terrorist, a political terrorist. Um, and I thought, man, mm-hmm. and there were others that's, that were really all over him. And, uh, well, Hillary Clinton, I mean, you know, she went on after, after him on his Benghazi hearings when, uh, when you know, she was Secretary of State. And I thought, man, he, he must, they must feel he's a real genuine threat to their agenda if should he become Speaker because they were going after him like a commander was going after Secret Service agents. But Sonny had to walk it back. That I, I didn't know about that. Tell us about it. Well, you, you know how it is. When you say something in the heat of the moment on live TV, if your producers catch it and they know you're wrong, they make you read a little legal note that says, oh, by the way, I didn't quite get this exactly right. And so what she said was that Jim Jordan has been linked to the sex abuse scandal at Ohio State University. Now, he was working there, and at the time, uh, uh, like, later on, there were people who came out and said, hey, there was this sex abuse scandal going on among the wrestling team. Um, A few people accused Jim Jordan of knowing that. Jim Jordan, from the very beginning, has denied knowing anything about it. And what Sonny Hostin said was, without giving any of the clarification, just said he had been linked to this sex abuse scandal. So she doesn't really say, oh, he was a part of it. Oh, he knew about it. Oh, he was a a perpetrator of it. She didn't really clarify what she meant, just kind of left it out there. And at the end of the segment, she had to read a note saying that, no, Jim Jordan's team has said from the very beginning that he had nothing to do with this and didn't know what was happening. <laughs> so, yeah, they they've had to do that a few times where they they have to, or they'll say something about Brett Kavanaugh and the women that accused him, and then they have to they have to read a note saying that he denied it. And oh, by the way, the FBI didn't find anything in six background checks, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, they have to they have to read the legal notes when they say things that are way out there. Talking with Virginia Cruda, Virginia, I. Uh... I was talking with a, let's just say, a pretty influential um, person in in Republican politics in the state of Missouri and is active in monitoring elections and so forth on, on the show that I do mm-hmm. there on afternoons in Columbia. And um, I challenge this individual because I think it's good that, uh, you know, you always need to look at your own club and make sure that you're behaving and your own behavior, you know, it's always healthy to do a little pinch now and then make sure that you're on the right track. And right. I was stunned by this revelation that when Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie were going to appear with uh, together on Brett Baer's uh, special report, at least according to Chris Christie and Vivek, the RNC threatened them with exclusion from the upcoming debate if they appeared together outside of their the RNC prescribed yeah. debate format. I thought mm-hmm. this this troubled me. Now this this GOP insider, and I really I love her. She's a great person. I love her. politically we get along great. I said, but doesn't that smell? She said, well, there's rules, and if they don't want to follow the rules, blah blah blah. What is your thought about that whole incident? They ended up appearing separately, by the way, on Brett. Right. No, I I knew about this. I actually wrote about it. What I what I think 
Um, what I think is going on. So the RNC said it had all the candidates sign a pledge that they would not participate in any debates other than the RNC debates. So here's the thing. If they didn't want to be bound by the rules, they shouldn't have signed the paper. That's that's number one. They should have said, no, the people deserve to hear as much information as they can in whatever format they can. And this is not fair. This is not a reasonable expectation. So, but the RNC said what they said. They said, you know, we're, we're going to have these sanctioned debates and you're not going to appear at any non-sanctioned debates. And the assumption is that if Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie appeared together on uh, on a show where they were going to be challenged, like a show with Brett Byer would necessarily be, um, that they would end up debating each other, which is a fairly reasonable assumption that that would happen, that that's, that's how this would play out. And so the RNC said, no, that amounts to a debate. You can't do it. Um, you, you signed this pledge that said you wouldn't. Okay, so they signed the pledge. Then they signed on to this interview. The RNC pointed out what the interview was likely to be. And now they're mad that they signed the pledge. Or they're mad at the RNC, but in reality, they're mad that they signed the pledge. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I would like to hear, as a voter, I would like to hear as much as possible from every candidate. So what I would prefer is that we have as many debates as possible in as many different formats as possible. Because I think that the, the way I I don't know if you watched the last debate, I think it couldn't be much worse. So I struggled through it. It was a terrible, it was terrible. Yeah. Let's, let's have some more, some more options here. So I think that the RNC probably did it for a reason, but at the same time, I would rather hear, as much as I can from the candidates as often yeah. as I can. So that's, that's okay. A, and I think well, it wouldn't you be and I, a bad idea for Ramaswamy and Chris Christie to say, no, we're going to do yeah. this anyway. And if you don't want us on the stage, that's fine. We'll just keep doing it this way because it's not like nobody's going to put them on TV. Right. No, I agree. I see. I didn't know about that pledge. And, and until I the just problem, I hadn't seen that you had written about that. The problem is if they buck that, the RNC, yeah. then they can't get the Republican committee. Be, then it's going to be much yeah. more difficult. But the reality is yeah. Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy, neither one of them are going to be president. So they lose nothing if they buck the RNC. If wait a minute, this is, a, wait, but this is new news. Wait, break, breaking what? news. Virginia Cruda says today on October 7th that neither Vivek or Christie will be president. I don't know. Well, stranger I, things have happened. You never uh, know. Strange, stranger things have happened, but I, I think it is far more <laughs> likely that RFK nabs Tulsi Gabbard as his running mate and wins all the independents. That is, is yeah. more likely than Chris Christie or Vivek Ramaswamy yeah. becoming president. Now, I could see him okay, both so in now, cabinet positions, depending on who the yeah, president yeah. is. Okay. But I don't. Hey, Virginia, we're we're going to have to talk about this next week, sure. and this is an interesting play, an interesting gambit. So I'm going to put this down for next week. Uh, Quentin, don't let me forget it. Uh, oh, RFK. Tulsi Gabbard. The question on the table when we talk with you next week, Virginia, will be, who does that take more votes from? 
Trump or some other nominee, probably Trump, or Biden or some other nominee or Newsom. Okay, that's the question on the table. Thanks for being with me, Virginia. You've really set the table for a great combo next week. I'm looking forward to it. Sounds good. All right, thanks. There she is, Virginia Cruda. Wow. I don't know what to think of that. That's good. Let's see what Tim Jones thinks of that when we talk with him in just a few on 1019-941 News Talk STL. Good morning. Good morning.